Welcome to the River Church. Last week, you will recall that Michael spoke on, we want the king. We want to be like everybody else. Not necessarily the best idea that Israelites ever had, but he shared quite a bit about the coming king. Today, we're going to take a closer look at the coming king. We'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 7, but in between what Michael preached on in 2 Samuel, there's a lot going on. And if you want the details, read, there's like 20 chapters there, just read it on a weekend or whatever. There's a lot happening. Israel gets their wish, they get a king. Do you remember that from last week? His name is Saul. He's a good looking dude. Head taller than anybody else, handsome, probably six packs, because you know. Would have been the captain of his football team, except he was Jewish, and I'm not sure they could play with a pigskin. So maybe, maybe he was the captain of a lacrosse team. I, you know, I don't know. But a really, I mean, most popular, definitely voted most popular in school. But if you read further along, he starts out good, he talks a good game, he has good intentions, but he pretty much fails as king of the Israelites. He, he is not honoring to God, and God declares, sorry, God, I'm going to cut you off. You're not going to be the king. Samuel goes and anoints the oil of his kid named David. And you read through that chapter, and it's like uh, Samuel goes to this family of, of, and goes through all of the sons, including the good-looking ones, and when he gets done, he's like, God didn't tell me to anoint anybody. Got anybody else? Oh yeah, I got this little kid out in the field watching the sheep. Well, bring him in. And God anoints David to be king. Now David's not handsome. He's not six pack. He probably uh, doesn't even play on any of the sports teams at school. Um, but he has a heart after God, and he has such a heart after God that, as the story goes on and unwinds, David knows he's the anointed to the king. And yet there are several times when Saul is after him and David chooses not to kill Saul when he could because he did not wish to raise his hand against the anointed of the Lord. Okay? Pretty awesome part. Eventually Saul dies in battle. David takes on the kingship. He's got a fight with one of Saul's other sons to, to, to gain it, but he eventually earns the kingship. They go to battle a few more times. He has a lot of victories. And in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, he's sitting around in the palace. Apparently life has been good because now he's got a palace. And he says, you know, I got this really nice palace. God's got a tent. Because at that point, the Ark of the Covenant was just kept in a tent. I should build God a really nice palace too. A temple to worship God in. Now he's got a friend named Nathan. Have you guys heard of Nathan? He's a prophet. He's, he's kind of like an advisor to David. And Nathan hears this idea. Nathan goes, ah, that's a great idea. Go ahead and do what you want. Just do everything you've got in your brain. Now let's think about it. Is it nice to have a good facility to worship the Lord in? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with David wanting to build a temple for God? No. I would think not. Nathan goes home that night, 
God comes and speaks to him. He says, tell David, no, you're not going to build my house. So we're going to look real quick at 2 Samuel 7. Verses 8 to 17, and see the rest of what God told Nathan. Starting in, in verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people, Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul and I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall, shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. God says no. David, you're not going to. Um, verification that this is not an evil thing for David to do. If it were evil, would God have let Solomon build him a temple? That yeah, must be a good thing to do. So why did God say no? Um, I don't know what David's motivation was. Is it possible his motivation was that he wanted to do something for God to make sure that God would treat him well? Sort of a quid pro quo. You guys have heard that term a lot lately, I suspect. Is this something where God, where David was thinking, you know, if I do this for God, then he'll owe me. Apparently Nathan didn't think so because he said, yeah, I can do it. God, maybe Solomon went deeper. Let's look at a few of the verses, some of the things that are said in the verses. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep. I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off your enemies to put before you. I will make for you a great name. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them. I will give you rest from all your enemies. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. I will establish his kingdom. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
will be to be a son. Notice the pattern there. Did God take care of David? He raised him up from a shepherd boy in the runt of the litter to be king over his people. He took him from a time of battles into a time of peace and a time of prosperity. Maybe what God's saying here is, don't worry about this. I got you. You don't need to quit a quote for him. You don't have to do anything for me. I can do it all for you. We do that ourselves a lot, I think. Um, we have a wonderful new facility with a nursery. Maybe we need a MOPS program, mothers and preschoolers, or something similar. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, wait, maybe we need the youth group to meet here on Wednesdays. We could do that, yeah. We should have Sunday school before church. All things that we can talk about. Are those bad things? Not at all. But we have to be careful when we, when we plan, when we, when we propose things. Because is that God's will for this church? We need to be prepared to hear him say no. I hope his answer is yes. And I hope that anything that I plan for this church or for my life is in line with God's will. Good video. Anybody feel called to be a missionary to the Nomad peoples? If you do, your plan for your life has to be in line with God's will. Is this what David heard? Was, hey, good idea, but not in line with my will. As we go forward as a church and as individuals, we need to be prepared to listen to God and say no. We also need to be prepared for God to say yes. Because a lot of the things that God did with David, I'm sure David was right along with him. He said, I think I'll come over here and attack these Philistines. And God said, yes, do that. So that's one thing that happens in the passage. What else happens? Um, what I found interesting is um, David recognizes God's voice in Nathan. David was a man after God's own heart, a superhero in the Bible. Far from perfect, especially later on, he does some really despicable things. But he's still called a man after God's own heart, and yet he never really hears God's voice directly. He hears God's voice through Nathan the prophet. How does that apply to us? Well, I hope that those of us who preach up here in the pulpit are echoing God's voice. Um, I encourage you to check us, to make sure that what we say is consistent with Scripture, and if it's not, to talk to us about it. We will either convince you magnanimously and politely, I hope that we're absolutely correct. Which hopefully happens most of the time. Or perhaps we will graciously admit that maybe we're wrong and change what we say up here. Because our goal is to be consistent with Scripture 100% of the time. 
and we want to hear God's voice. Now, where else can you find God's voice? Anybody married? Sometimes your spouse is a really good echo of God's will for your life. Now, sometimes they're not. You gotta practice wisdom to know when, when to listen and when not to. Um, for those who are married, I recommend that you at least try to listen. It's always a good thing. But never, David never heard directly the voice of God. Just through Nathan. Um, sometimes we have other issues with listening to the voice of God. And this doesn't appear to be an issue that David had. But sometimes we propose I don't know, a mom's program for the back, for the, for the week, during the week, the moms and their kids can come. And sometimes God says no. And we hear that very clearly. But what do we do? We say, well, that can't be God's voice. That must be somebody else's voice. And we go and do what we want anyway. You see the issue here? We need to listen to God's voice and not confuse our will with his. I hope God says yes to all of your plans. But if he doesn't, you need to listen to what he doesn't. Because too often we think that we our will, I know more than God, I'm here. I just, that's a silly attitude. Uh, but God's not here. Uh, plan in accordance to his will and always be open to his voice. Other issues. We've all seen in the news people who have shot people at McDonald's because they heard the voice of the Lord tell them that they needed to shoot people. Sometimes the voice you hear is not the voice of the Lord. How do we know? The voice of the Lord. Is it consistent with Scripture to go into McDonald's and shoot people? Not as far as I can tell. If you hear the voice of the Lord, either directly or through a counselor like Nathan or your spouse or your friend or somebody else, make sure that it's consistent with what his word says in the Bible. That's how you know whether it's really the voice of the Lord. It's not as easy when you decide to be a missionary to the uh, transient people in China because that's not specifically said here. There's nowhere in the Bible where it would say, John, I want you to be a missionary. There are places in the Bible that will say, John, I want you to spread my word. Where they say, go and be disciples to all the nations. But all the nations might mean for you your neighbor. It might mean for you the person down the street. It might mean working in a program at your local church. It might mean being a missionary to the transient people in China. I don't know what God has in mind for you, but I know it's something awesome. So who is this king? In verse 11 it says, Moreover the Lord declared to you that the Lord will make you a house. 
We have built a church. It's a building. But the word church is more than a building. It is God's people. And in a similar way, God says, I will build you a house. What he's talking about is not just a structure, but a place of safety where your family can dwell in peace. Do we see that happening? Well, there is a current and a future sense of prophecy. You guys have heard of Solomon? Solomon is David's son. He ruled in probably the most peaceful time in Israel's history. He was probably the wealthiest. He had everything going for him. He was the wisest man in the world. Although he had, what was it, a thousand wives or something, concubines? I'm not sure how smart he really was. But do, do we see, now we see that in the immediate future. Did that house of David stand after Solomon? Those of you who have read the Old Testament know that it really didn't. And after Solomon, there was fighting among his sons, there was other nations came in, and basically that house of peace fell. At the time that Jesus was born, were the, the Jews at peace? Well, if you consider occupation by a foreign army to be peace, then I guess they were. But they were not a standalone nation. They certainly didn't feel as safe as they would like to. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring under you, who shall come to your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Well, first, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, that's Bible code for when you're dead. <laughs> Belly up, pushing up the knees, defunct. I could do that whole mic, I thought I was getting when you're dead, I will establish your kingdom forever. In Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 32, um, Luke, when he writes, recognizes this prophecy. He says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So there's a direct tie-in from David to Jesus. I will establish your kingdom from your offspring. You remember what Cheryl read about Mary? Many of you will know that Mary was a descendant of David. David was in her lineage. Prophecy of Cheryl. Verse 13. He shall build a house for my name. That's your descendant. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. In verse 16, 
and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Luke one thirty three says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Speaking of the Christ child. So, did David's earthly kingdom have an end? Shortly after Solomon. And then in verse 14 and 15 it says, When he, your descendant, commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before me. And John 19, verses 1 to 3 says, Then Pilate had Jesus taken and whipped. Soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head dressed in a purple robe. Over and over they went up to him and said, Greetings, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Does that sound like uh, I would discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the son of men? I don't recall Solomon ever being wet. He was raining pretty good. So that was an aspect of the prophecy that wasn't fulfilled in the short term. Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecy and was the king. And his kingdom will have no end. Let's look a little bit and talk about what follows. Um, in the rest of the chapter is what's called David's prayer of praise, where he says, you know, Lord, let it be so. You have been so gracious to me. You have been so awesome. Let me read part of that. Got up on the screen. Um, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the instruction for mankind. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. And he goes on and talks about, thank you, God, for establishing my kingdom forever. Now let's talk, let's think a little bit about David. How do you feel when God says no? Sometimes, some of us actually resent it because we think we know better than God. And we can get bitter. We're sarcastic about it. Or we can ignore it. But David doesn't. He goes here, he goes and actually rejoices because God said no. What was he thinking? Well, maybe he was thinking that when God said, I will establish your throne forever, maybe he's thinking, oh, that means I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be like the Highlander. Probably not, because God specifically says, when you lay down, you know, when you kick your body, this is what's going to happen. So I don't think that David thinks he's going to live forever. Maybe he thinks Solomon's going to live forever. With his son. Well, at this point, Solomon isn't even born yet. He's not born until chapter 12. Maybe he thinks Asa's going to live forever. He's pretty much seen the fate of kings. 
There have been dynasties that have ruled or attacked Israel for generations. And many of those dynasties have died off. And in some cases, because of David and his army. They were dead. The odds were that he didn't think any of his sons were going to live forever. Maybe he thought that there would be a king in Israel ruling over the, the, the Jews forever. Is that consistent with Scripture? Well, it certainly appears to be consistent with what a lot of the Jews thought in Christ's day, wasn't it? We're going to have a Savior. He's going to defeat the Romans and rule on David's throne. So I'm thinking that may well have been what David was thinking. Maybe we're going to have a throne in, in uh, Jerusalem forever that rules over Israel. Did that happen? Did he establish a home for his people? Some argue that Israel is that home that he established. Is Israel at peace? Not last time I checked. Heaven's Son Rocker today is not at peace. So there are aspects of that that have been fulfilled on this physical earth. But most of those aspects that cause for a king we say that Jesus is the king of? He sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty in heaven. This is not an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom to which we are all subjects. Uh, where else would David celebrate when God says no? I'll know that when I get to page four. There we go. Um, how well did David know history, do you think? And what was Israel's history? For those of you who have read the Old Testament, you will know that Israel, how to put this, had a and downs. They were bosom buddies with God. As things went well, they would start slacking off and they would look around and go, hey, they're worshiping this calf. They're worshiping this snake. They're worshiping this God over the hills. Maybe we should do that too. And they would walk away from God. What was God's reaction? Generally a plague, a curse, a disease, or invasion by some other nation. So he would slap Israel about for a bit. They would wake up and go, you know, I remember when we were walking with God and life was good. And they'd come back to him for a chapter or two. They'd wander away again. Find something new to follow so they could ignore God. God would slap them around and bring them back. <coughs> what is this promise to David? I will establish your kingdom forever. And all the time that the Hebrews were trying to follow Jesus were not trying to follow Jesus. Excuse me, God. Because Jesus hadn't been born yet, obviously. But all the time that they followed God and didn't follow God, did God ever abandon them? Never. And now he has a promise directly from God through Nathan. I am going to establish a kingdom forever. 
I think that David recognized the faithfulness of God and was celebrating God's faithfulness when he prayed this prayer. I think that we tend to mimic the Israelites. That things go well and we walk with God. We walk with Christ. We walk with our King. But you know, I've got to work those extra hours at work because I've got to make some money. Um, I've got to go after this person of the opposite sex or even the same sex because they're interested in being my spouses. We walk away. Sometimes God slaps us around and brings us back. Sometimes he lets us walk a long way away before he brings us back. And yet, has he ever abandoned us? Never. We are God's children. He is our king. What does that mean, bottom line? Well, one, what kind of rights do kings have? They have the power of life and death over their subjects. They say to their subjects, Plant corn here and plant wheat here, and the subjects do it. What is he saying to you? What does God want you to do as his follower? Know that although we will probably wander away, we will get distracted. Hey, squirrel. We will be distracted, uh, whether it's money, hobbies, or the Seahawks whatever your football team of choice is. Do you rejoice to be a subject of the king? Do you read his word? Do you understand that God loves you and that his will is best for you, even when you think you know better? What did David celebrate? The promise of an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom. What did God deliver? An eternal kingdom. Did he deliver it the way that David expected? Don't think so. Don't think David had a picture of the Son of God coming down to me, being born, growing up, Dying on a cross to save us from our sins. I think David had a picture of a loving God. A God who would be king and would be a loving king. Is that what you see in your life? Do you see a loving king? If not, you need to get to know him better. How do you do that? Through his word, through prayer, through Christian friends and neighbors. You might be one of those Christian friends and neighbors. That somebody that you know needs to say, hey, you're walking away from Jesus, he's going to slap you around. Be ready for it. I encourage you to come, walk with the Savior. Plan your life, but listen 
for you. Ashamed of our behaviors sometimes. Because we just don't pay attention to you. We think we know better than you do. We think that we can be our own kings. Father, we can't. We need you as our king. We need that little baby brother sacrifice to pay for our sins. And we need him to love us enough to do that. And we're so glad that he does. Help us to celebrate walking with your will, to celebrate uh, your kingship, Lord, as we enter this, this season where we recognize the birth of a king. Amen.